Hello everyone, and welcome to Luke Law. A quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. Welcome to part 3 of our Most Haunted Places in Britain mini-series. We've had York, current top pick for the most haunted city in England. We've had Derbyshire, as the most haunted county region of England. Time to step out to a different country of the British Isles. This episode, we're looking at Edinburgh, the most haunted city in Scotland. Time to take you on a tour showing off some history, and more importantly, some spooks. The Abandoned Undercity Edinburgh is a strange place, being one of the historic cities of the British Isles, it kind of just grew organically and frequently in bizarre ways across the centuries. Originally, Edinburgh was spread across seven hills, and it's surprisingly vertical when you get there to explore. Originally, if you wanted to cross hills, you slog through the mud below. Likely a great defensible location back when stray Vikings, pirates, or Romans may turn up on your doorstep, but as the city developed, so too did solutions for getting about the place. This led to the construction of the South Bridge. This was the second of five bridges which stitched together Edinburgh into a cohesive whole, completed in 1788. The original plan to inaugurate the opening of the bridge was for the city's oldest resident to cross it when it was completed. Sadly, due to delays, she passed before she could do this, and was ultimately carried across in her coffin. Now, someone somewhere probably thought this was a wonderful bit of symbolism. The residents of Edinburgh thought this was a terrible omen, many never crossing it in their lifetimes, instead going all the way around the city to use the North Bridge, rather than set foot on the new one. What follows from this chilly reception the residents gave the new bridge is a strange journey in two stages covering eight decades. As mentioned, Edinburgh was on a collection of hills, and still had three bridges yet to go to truly connect these areas together. All of this means space has always been at a premium, and the arches beneath the South Bridge became prime real estate if you wanted to set up shop. It seemed like an ingenious expansion of the businesses of the city between the High Street and the University area, even if people refused to go over it there was an opportunity for entrepreneurs underneath it. Slight snag once you're down there though. First of all, it's dark. Scotland isn't best known for its sun before you set up underneath a massive stoneworks. The next problem comes from something Scotland is however known for, rain. That you could set up beneath the bridge was incidental to its design, water got everywhere down there, even before the bridge drainage started to crack in key places as the massive structure settled. Businesses managed maybe 30 years before completely abandoning beneath the bridge. But this just means there's still prime real estate down there should you be desperate enough. A combination of homeless locals and Irish immigrants escaping the potato famine began to set up down there. It was about as bad for disease as you might worry from it being so dank and damp, even the most industrious scalper would have abandoned it, but industry remained down there. Gambling dens, drugs, and the dubious honour of becoming Edinburgh's red light district under there. This goes on for 50-ish years of sin and death happening out of sight, out of mind, until its reputation got so bad the local government chased out all the squatters before filling in every entrance with dirt and rubble in the 1860s. There, these memories lay buried, forgotten, until the 1980s when an excavation blundered through into them. What they found was fascinating. When the last inhabitants got cleared out 120-ish years ago, it was clearly in a rush, and a lot of their daily lives was preserved down there. Forlorn toys, plates and pots, Abandoned buttons. Horseshoes, which sounds like a cute detail, but there were no horses down there, which would suggest they were kept to ward away the good neighbours, something a little worrying in its own right. 
all opened up to historians and archaeologists at first, now preserved and open to visitors. These are the Edinburgh vaults. So, cursed from inauguration, turned into a damp, lightless undercity populated by the most unfortunate people of a historically bad time, and sealed away before being forgotten. If all this sounds like Haunting Central, you're not wrong. This abandoned undercity has a collection of named spectres haunting it. Just listing them sounds like a horror movie roster. Mr. Boots. The Aristocrat. The Cobbler. Jack the Child. Fortunately, they do seem less ominous once you get to know them. Jack the Child is just that. They're a child. Kind of precocious sounding rather than a typical terrifying ghost child. Curly blonde hair, wearing a blue suit with knickerbocker trousers. They scamper about the old tunnels of the vaults, taking a special liking to women and children. And I realise this still sounds terrifying. Just a consequence of being a ghost child, I guess. Jack the Child isn't doing anything too disturbing, though. He likes to hold hands and tug on clothes for attention. Basically just a child who happens to be a ghost. Your mileage may vary on how frightening that is. The Cobbler and the Aristocrat are both friendly-seeming enough. Unwitting guests passing by them earn a friendly smile for either spook, only for them to realise later the welcoming stranger was not a living one. The Cobbler is a short man in a long apron suitable for his profession, gaining him his moniker. The Aristocrat is a tall bearded man in a fine suit with a tall black hat, who is usually spotted casually leaning against a wall. Now, the Cobbler just seems to be a cheerful guy wandering around not realising he's dead. And technically the Aristocrat reads similar on paper, he seems to have something of a bad aura about him though. Those who get too close to the Aristocrat during an encounter all seem to agree there's a feeling of a sinister presence, which is a tad worrying. Then there's Mr. Boots, apparently also known as the Watcher, which is a little less whimsical and a lot more unnerving. He's known to stick to the back of the vaults if you're looking to avoid him, and how he got his name Mr. Boots becomes obvious as visitors hear his heavy footfalls from his stomping around in his namesakes. He's a tall, shabbily dressed man on top of those boots, and he's got something of a reputation as a photobomber. As recently as 2015, you can find pictures reporting to have Mr. Boots in the background. Should brave visitors decide to snap a pic down at the back of the vaults Mr. Boots calls home. It sounds like the cobbler could have come from the 30 years of business under there, with the rest likely coming from the 50 years of being a black market. As much as I've said here, there's a lot more to learn about the vaults and its secrets to save for another time. Let's put a pin in the topic for now and move on. Edinburgh's Most Haunted Pub Going off the word count here, that was a history-heavy double-length Luke Law section. So, let's stop off at a pub, the haunted variety of which is a staple of exploring the British Isles. As with basically every old city of the Isles, this is a target-rich environment. Edinburgh is especially blessed with some incredible names for their pubs. The Last Drop Tavern refers to it being the site of the final hanging to take place in the city, and not finishing your drinks. The Banshee Labyrinth does exactly what it sounds like it's doing, it's proudly proclaiming that it has a resident Banshee in there. For this episode though, I want to talk about the White Hart Inn, a strong contender for the most haunted pub of a city with some significant competition for the title. The White Hart Inn is one of the oldest public houses in the city. While the above ground has gone through some necessary ship of Theseus rebuilding over the years, the beer cellar at its foundation dates back to 1516. 500 years in such a storied city adds up to quite the history. This includes such dubious honours as being a known haunt of Burke and Hur. According to myth, several of the victims who went on to turn up at Edinburgh University as suspiciously fresh cadavers got lured away from the bar at the White Hart Inn, 
taken back to the pair's nearby lodgings. Not content to have only one worrying story of murder, an old drawing of a prostitute in a red outfit was turned up during one round of renovations and is tentatively linked to a prostitute murdered on the premises in the 19th century. This inn is a favourite location for assorted ghost hunters, and it comes with plenty of surprise paranormal encounters for unwitting people who weren't even looking. The increasingly less sceptical current bar managers come forward with a few stories over the years. Phantom footsteps are incredibly common upstairs after the bar closes, especially bothering one of the cleaners who works there. A poor barmaid changing a barrel in their 5th century old cellar has had her hair pulled on while she was just trying to do her job. And at the time of the interview I found from around 2019, it had only been a few weeks since a terrified American tourist fled their bar toilets after some unseen force grabbed his shoulder while he was mid-business, which was at least convenient as he was already going when he was gotten at. What keeps putting the White Hart in on the paranormal radar though is that photographs of the bar area keep turning up with a blurred figure in them. Now, this wouldn't be too hard to dismiss on old film cameras, but everything else in these pictures appears to be perfectly in focus. Besides which, it's now turning up on digital cameras. It could just be an unnaturally fast Scotsman getting a drink in, but that in itself would be supernaturally noteworthy, the speed they would have to be going at. Give it a look yourself online and see what you think. Or get down there yourself and get snapping to see if you can catch anything weird on your phone camera. It does seem like a nice pub, phantoms aside. An extra bloody history. If we're poking about Edinburgh for ghosts, it would be rude not to stop at the castle itself. Coming in at over 2,000 years old, while very much being a castle that means business instead of being a rich person's trinket, Edinburgh Castle has seen a lot. Heck, 2,000 years? Double that. The stories of an Iron Age hill fort being on that site. It was a bloody good hill to defend. Price for its security? Complained about how drafty it always seems to be. This is about as far away from an ornamental fairy tale castle as you can get. Edinburgh Castle is a surly rock formation that is as much to keep people securely locked away in its vaults as it is to keep everyone else out. It hasn't always been impenetrable across its history though. The English have needed kicking out on multiple occasions, and there's something very Scottish about how weirdly proud they seem to be of successful escape attempts. A hole that 49 French prisoners of war hacked their way out through in 1811 has been preserved for 200 years. Show you're made of sterner stuff, and you'll likely get some respect from the Highlands. Let's get to the spooky stuff. Given its rather practical history as a war fort and prison, there's plenty of bad history waiting to bubble up here. Edinburgh Castle seems to be infested with shadows that have no owners. These disembodied dark figures can get about anywhere and everywhere, frequently carrying with them an overwhelming sense of dread. They're also associated with the sensation of being pulled about whenever they are near. Unexplained phenomena will just pop up at random. Drums coming from no identifiable source can be heard or sometimes just felt, and strange lights have regularly been known to just go about their own business. There's a particular famous ghost who can cause quite a lot of confusion if you aren't aware of them, known as the Lone Piper. Leading up to the castle going through Edinburgh's old town is the Royal Mile, a stretch of road that does basically what it says on the tin. This is a mile assorted royalty would parade up and down during visits to the castle at one end and the royal palace down at the bottom. A few hundred years ago, a tunnel was found which appeared to go from the depths of the castle underneath the Royal Mile, and to test this theory, a boy with his bagpipes was sent down there, playing as he went to show where he was. This appeared to be working and his progress was followed above ground until his playing suddenly stopped 
halfway down the Royal Mile. Attempts were made to find the boy, but he had vanished without a trace. Faced with both a tragedy and a mysterious tunnel that could lead anywhere, the entrance was securely filled in. Across the centuries, the lone piper can sometimes still be heard, starting deep in the castle vaults and heading back down the Royal Mile, where his music will suddenly stop halfway, only ever making it as far as his first attempt in life. All told, one awesomely haunted castle with one hell of a bloody history. I definitely want to get in there myself and have a poke about, although I'm a little worried that all those shadowy figures in one place may be full-blown shadow people congregating. Ugh. That's all for this episode and this mini-series. There will definitely be a return to Edinburgh at some point in some fashion though. There's a lot more to unpack up there and I want to get over for some on-the-scene folklore tourism in the near future. But it is voting time. We're going to make use of the Luke Law email for this, lukelawgsg at gmail.com. To vote, put in the subject line and the body of the email in all capital letters the name of the location which is your pick for being crowned the most haunted in Britain. Then. If you want something read out on the podcast about your choice or anything else, just add the comment on your email along with what you'd like to be known as on the air. The last Luke Law of the Year will then be a bonus episode of the winner of the vote, followed by reading and responding to any comments sent in. That's LukeLawGSG at gmail.com. Add the vote you are making in all caps in both subject line and email itself, this being so it doesn't end up lost in spam. Optionally then add a comment with how you want to be addressed. Ambiguous comments will be treated as anonymous by default, better to lean on the safe side. This episode will then be played end of the year, and if I can get it a little different to a regular Luke Law, I will do. It will be the second podcast of December, with the next podcast being the Krampusnack special for 2021. Luke Law is a Ghost Story Guys production. If you do want to contact me for anything, as well as the voting, there's the show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com. And there's also the general show email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are really easy to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day contact, as well as a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with, and the plucky but less active Luke Law Instagram. But as much as I'm happy to talk about this mini-series on social media, votes will only be counted from the email. For a fourth and final time, lukelawgsg at gmail.com. If you want to support the show directly, definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. As ever though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support the show is to give it a listen. Share this around if you think you may know someone who may be interested. Leave a review if you get the chance to help signal boost me. Get voting and try and encourage other people to vote. Let's see who we can crown champion this round out. And most of all, I simply hope you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.